how do you expect your children to run and how do you expect to run if there is no vision? And now for household mission statements. Welcome to Brothers of the Word because brother, you need the word. Stay tuned to today's broadcast because I really believe that it will be something that will bless not only you, but your entire household. And today, Pastor has been speaking on a series talking about the mission statement of the company that we own and run. And God led him to share the personal things from the company to the congregation. And in the same manner, I'm continuing on that series today. But instead of our company mission statement, he's led me to talk about our household mission statement. And this is something that my wife and I did when we were very young, about 30 years old, and when our family was just getting started. And what really prompted it was I worked in two businesses, and every business that I worked before that, I always saw a mission statement. And, you know, they had clear vision, and it was posted on the wall, and they were go over it with the employees and every church that I ever been a member of they had a mission statement and you know and just talking with my wife and I said you know the family is the most important institution and families don't have a mission statement so I said we got to do something about that so we sat down and began to write out the mission statement for our home so that we could be on one accord and our children as they grew up they could know what this home stands for, to have a roadmap and a vision and a guide. So we wrote out that mission statement. We agreed upon it, and that's how we came up with the mission statement. At that time, I hadn't heard anybody talk about it. I hadn't read about it, but it was something that God just dropped in our spirits. In Habakkuk chapter 2, it says to write the vision, to make it plain, so that they that read it may run. How do you expect your children to run and how do you expect to run if there is no vision? So that's something that you all should do is have a household mission statement. Even if there's nobody left in the house but you, if you're in the house by yourself, you need a personal mission statement. You need to be to read it and run with it. And it's something that no matter whether your kids are grown and left, you might have grandkids to come back to your home They need to see grandfather and grandmother's vision for that house, that you can impart some things in them even while they're visiting. I'm going to ask my wife to come up, and this is our mission statement that we have on our wall at home. And the first thing before I really get into it, the most important thing about this mission statement is that you model it before your children. And I don't have my normal tablet today because this is something that's ingrained in the culture of our home. So I'm going to just talk to you from our own day-to-day experience of what we do. And this is tested through five generations. So this is not just something that we just came up with that sounds good to us, but this incorporates wisdom and principles from my father's generation and from his father's generation. And that we've seen five consecutive generations use the principles in this. And 
I don't know about you, but when I've seen something work for five generations, I don't want to change it. So I told the children, you all take this and use it as a template. Now, you can add to it, but don't take away from it. Because when you come up with new ideas, you don't know whether that's to work or not till your children get grown. So this has been proven for five unbroken generations. And the way we do it, so first of all, you got to model it. And that's more important than anything on this mission statement. It's more important that you model it before their eyes than you have this printed up and go over it verbally. If they don't see you doing it, then they're not going to do it. So as Habakkuk talking about running with it, and life is not a sprint. It's more like a relay race. So if you handing off the baton and, and you just walking it up to them, and if they get the baton, they're going to take it and walk with it. But if you're running with all that you have and you hand it off, the fire and energy from that is going to jump on them and they're going to grab it and run with it. And this mission statement is something that you can hand off like that baton that will give them energy, give them guidance, give them wisdom so they don't have to figure out everything for themselves. And it keeps you on track yourself. It's something that we stay accountable to, even as parents. So it's not just for the children. It helps us stay accountable to it. And I will go over a little bit of how we implement this. So first of all, we place it in a position in the house where we can see it while we're eating and the children can see it when they're coming in and going out. So it's before their eyes all of the time. Now, I know this is hard to read on the screens and you don't have to take really notes on it because you can go to jamesbronner.com and the mission statement is there in full and it's even in a Word document where you can download it and take this message today and customize it for your own home and implement it. So after you get it, to get it like this, I know you all saying, well, my printer don't print that big. <laughs> so basically, this was done from HomeDepot.com and office, that's right, Office Depot. That's why they need the two. <laughs> I can tell you right now, you're not going to get this printed at Home Depot. <laughs> you might get the board from Home Depot, but they're not going to print it. <laughs> So OfficeDepot.com or blow it up and print it and put it on this phone board. For, this cost me about $40 delivered to my door. But this is something that puts it in a format that's very durable, that's readable. So we place it on a visible spot where they can see it at all times. And then the format of how we get it in them besides modeling it. Once a month, and you can choose your own frequency, but set a specific time for it and We try to target like the first Monday of each month. And after dinner, as this is up on the wall, we'll gather all of the children around. And basically, we will just go through it line by line and read it in unison as a family. So we will go through the entire mission statement every month. And after we finish reading it as a family, typically what I'll do next is I'll stand in front of it and begin to ask them questions off of it to see how much they remember it. And it's one thing if you're just reading it, but when you got to ask them some questions about something, it, it's like in school. If you know you're going to get a quiz after this class at the teacher, you're going to pay attention more. So I'll ask him, you know, what did Grandpa Nathaniel, what did the three principles he taught in his generation? They'll rattle off and give me the formula for this. And somebody else will raise their hand and rattle it off. So that's the next phase. So we all read it in unison. Then I cover it up and I ask them questions about it to make sure that they get in and make their recall better. Then after that, we will go through the principles and make it real for them. 
asked for examples of over the past month of how they've used one of the principles. So one of the principles is excellence. Can somebody give me an example of how they use excellence in their life over this last month and the difference that it made? And it makes it real. So that's the next thing. And the last thing we do is we all join hands in a circle and pray. And it like seals in. And I can just feel the presence of God come in the room and just him smiling and anointing it. So that's kind of the format of what we do each month to help get it in them, to help explain it to them, to give them understanding. And they can ask questions and even it's good to get their buy-in into it. Too. We just go through a logic of where we go through different examples and ask them, is it a better way to do this? And we just talk through it so they can understand it and agree with it. So we'll, at this time, just go through it with you and talk about a few things on it. So starts off, says, the mission statement for the James S. Bronner household, the objective. And like I said, you can do your own format, but this gives you a template that we came up with. And this objective just kind of gives you a one-liner summary of really what we want to focus on in our entire life. And our objective as a family is to fulfill our purpose upon the earth to the best of our ability, to fulfill our purpose upon the earth to the best of our ability, that after we've lived this life and we stand before our creator and we have to give an account of what we've done with this life, the gifts that he's given you, the resources that he's given you, then we want to be able to say that we've done the best job with what we had that we could do. Too much is given, much is required. He's not going to ask you to compare your life with somebody else. He's going to ask you, well, what I gave you, did you use it to the best of your ability? And you're going to have to give an account of that. So that's our overall objective. If we can stand before God in that day and say, we've done the best we could with what you gave us and truly mean that, then we've met our objective. The second section is values and wisdom. And this is multi-generational. So This is my father's father and mother. Uh, Generation one is James and Emma Bronner. Now, that's not me. I was named after my grandfather. And they sent my father to Atlanta from Kelly, Georgia, and from the country with basically three main principles that he brought with him. And that's to work hard, be honest, and to keep good company. And no matter how smart you are, it doesn't compensate for hard work. You look at the richest man in the world, uh, Elon Musk. Uh, for most of the last year, he's been the, the richest man, the founder of Tesla. And, you know, he was working 100 hours a week, and he doesn't care about his astrophysicist degree. But in his mind, he said, no matter how smart I am, if I work twice as hard as the next company, as the next man, then I'm going to get twice as much done, and he's not going to be to catch me. And he has outdone Ford and outdone GM and all of that, but he's working harder than all of them. You look at Bill Gates and how much he read and how much he worked. No matter how smart they were, no matter how many resources they had, they worked hard to get ahead. And then to be honest, there have been a lot of, we've got situations right now going on in the country with governors that when, the, when honesty is compromised, it can crumble everything that you've done. And big companies like Enron, when they cheated on their financials, it took billions of dollars of company value down to naught off of dishonesty. And then keep good company. And you've heard it said that your 
income level is probably going to be somewhere in the range of the, your five closest friends. And not only does income track with who you hang with, but habits and character, the way you talk. You know, if you hanging around friends and all of them are just cursing all of the time. When you stump your toe, you know it's going to be likely that a curse word is going to come out of there. If you're hanging with people just hot-tempered and all of them, the minute something happens, they just pop off. You're going to be hot-tempered yourself, the more likely you are. So keep good company. And even in companies, you know, they always talk about the team and the culture and having great people on the team because they understand who you're around. It's a synergy in that. So that's important for even your kids with the friendships that they choose. That is not all about fun, but it's about are they the type of people that will help take me the place that I want to go? Because you're not going to know everything. And if you have the right type of people around you, Brother Hill there, he calls me a lot on some investment ideas and different bids. He just bounced things off me. And just having groups of people around you, they can help you through different parts of life. Generation two is Nathaniel Sr. and Robbie Bronner. And they instilled in us a priority system for life that's keep God first, family second, and business third. And we heard that from my father more than anything else that he said. If you ask all six of his sons, what's the number one thing your father taught you? They were all rattled off. God first, family second, and business third. So this was a priority system of how he structured his life and his family, and he understood that God was first because that's the most long-lasting principle of all of the principles. That's going to last beyond your life here on earth. And family second, he understood that he wouldn't always be here. So he understood that family was a key to longevity in everything that he was building. And then business, that enabled the family to have some security. It helped him to help the community. So he kept his life in that priority order. Generation three, James and Stephanie Brunner. Now, you all know who that is. (laughs) So we... Keeping in the same pattern of the three principles, we came up with three of wisdom, discipline, and excellence. Wisdom, we defined as making wise decisions in your life. Discipline is develop daily habits that lead toward your goals. And just another definition of discipline is basically doing what you ought to do when you ought to do it. And people see people with discipline, and they think it's just natural for them, but they have to work at it. And it's discipline because sometimes you have to make yourself do it, and once you get in the habit, it becomes easier. And then excellence, strive for excellence in all you do. And these are principles as I kind of went through life, and I was exposed to just a lot of successful people, and I began to really analyze their lives and look at patterns in their lives of things that I saw that were in common in all of these great people that I was meeting and all of the books I was reading of great people. And I looked for the patterns of things that they had in common. And I boiled it down to these three. And it requires all three of them. And just to give you an example, so if you eliminate any one, you won't get the same results. So if I take off the bottom one, excellence, and if you're just left with wisdom and discipline, then excellence is that that level that you're striving for of performance. So you could be working in a grocery store and be the cashier, and nothing wrong with that. 
but you can have the potential in you to be the store manager. So without this excellence, you could be very disciplined with coming to work on time, ringing up your groceries in a disciplined manner. You could have wisdom about how you're going about things, but without a higher aspiration, you'll never try to do more. The same thing with working out. If you want to just get your body in a top-notch condition, you can say, I can only do one push-up now. My goal is to get to 10 push-ups. You can be disciplined. So I'm going to do these 10 every day once you get there. And you could be disciplined doing 10 push-ups a day. But it could stop you from doing all of the aerobic and the sit-ups and all of the other things. So you can be disciplined by doing it every day consistently, but it won't necessarily get you to excellence. So if you cover up discipline and just have wisdom and excellence, then excellence is going to be that target that you're going to shoot for, but you will never get to the target without the discipline. The discipline is that day-to-day practice that will allow you to get to the excellence. Same thing. So if you cover up wisdom and you just have discipline and excellence, then you have many examples in life of high achievers that they may be great performers, but when they don't have wisdom, they can send a young girl some inappropriate photos. In their whole career, you've seen senators that just a lack of wisdom, they're great performers at what they're doing with the laws and dealing with people. But tiny mistakes out of wisdom will cause their entire life to crumble. Generation three methods. So these are just to break these things down more to make it plain for the next generation on how we do some things. So these are the top five wise decisions of life that go along with this wisdom. And I try to break these out so that as they go through life, that when they run across having to make one of these decisions and going over this month after month, that it'll alert in their mind and say, this is one of those top five decisions. I need to stop and take my time with this because this will affect my life more than anything else as these top five. The first one is to serve the right God. That doesn't just say choose the right God. It says serve the right God. And again, that has the longest term value because this life is temporary. Number two is to value your health through proper diet, exercise, and lifestyle, which includes rest, stress, weight, addictions. And health is put number two because it underlies everything that comes after it. You can't hardly make money. You can't go to work if you're in the hospital. You can't enjoy your marriage if you don't have health. You can't work in the ministry if you don't have health. So health is an underlying foundation to everything else. Number three is to marry the right spouse or have the right relationships in your life. And psychologists have found that this will attribute to your happiness more than money or any other thing. So relationships are very key. Number four is spend less money than you earn. They've got all type of studies that show you can earn six figures, but if you You can spend any amount of money. You all are familiar with athletes and entertainers that made millions of dollars a year that ended up broke because they spent more than they earned. Number five is work in the right field. This is so important because you spend most of your waking hours at work, so it's important to get your career choice correct. And between these two things of work and your relationships, this is where you spend 90% of your day. Is with those you love and at work. So it's important to get those things right. And parents have a big role in helping children get in this right field. Because many a times they don't know 
uh, you know, what it is they are to do. And I think this is one of the biggest areas where you can give your child a head start in life is helping them find out what they are supposed to do. And there are three things that we try to line up to help them figure out what they're supposed to do. And number one is your talents or skills, you know, what you're good at. Number two is what your interests or passions are. And number three is where the opportunity. So the combination of those three things of your giftings, your interests, and the opportunity, lining those up and looking at different paths to see What's the best combination of those three is what we try to strive for. Then next we have make wise decisions. So we have a formula here on how to make decisions. Because when your children are young, parents are really making decisions for them. But as they begin to grow, you want to have them making their own decisions. So instead of just giving them the decisions, I want to teach them how I make decisions. How do I get to wisdom? So it's an easy-to-remember acronym of WISE, W-I-S-E. So the W is for what are you trying to decide exactly. So what are all of the specifications that go into this choice that you're actually looking for? The I in WISE is for investigate pros, cons, costs, rewards, and probabilities of all options. So the more complex the decision you need to to make, the more you have to do in this area. And it's for complex decisions, we even put it on a spreadsheet so you can see everything at once. You know, sometimes you're thinking about the left and the right on this. And so you need to put all of the options and what they all entail on one sheet so you can look at it all at one time to make that best decision. My father used to say that your judgment is no better than your information. So most people in this formula fall short because they don't get enough information to make the right and wise decision. Then after you have that, you go to S, which is select the right choice from the options using the information that you've gathered, uh, using your gut or spirit, and then using wise counsel. The bigger the decision, the more you need to add in this. So if it's a major decision of life, uh, you also need to sleep on it to make sure you have peace. Because sometimes you can get excited about something and, you know, that excitement, you'll think that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. So sometimes you need to sleep on it. And he'll minister to you even through sleep when you wake up with that same surety and peace. And then you need to seek wise counsel on it if it's a major decision. And that last one is E for evaluate your choice once you begin to take action to make sure everything is going as planned. And no matter how well you plan something, no matter how extensive your spreadsheet, no matter how much data you collect, Some stuff you just don't figure on. So after you make this decision and start going down this path, how many of you all had that at work? You all had a major project you was planning and you put all the data and budgeting and did all the market analysis, but you start doing that thing. Sales not quite going like this budget is not going quite like your stuff just happens in life. So you need to evaluate after you start in the path to make sure Everything is going the way it should. And if it's not, you need to start this process over to see what's off. Next, it says the quality of your decisions will determine the quality of your life. So that's why we want to help them to make better decisions. And if you think back through your life, everything that has really caused you a lot of heartache and pain it's going to root back to a decision somewhere. If you got hooked up with the wrong person, or something, you made a decision at some point. 
to get with this person. If you did something real stupid that got you locked up or something bad, really bad happened, at some point, somebody was telling you about an idea. You had to make a decision. Do I really want to ride with these fools over here and do this? At some point, you can root it back to a decision at some point. So the quality of those decisions will determine the quality of your life. So with that being said, it's important to have a very good formula for making your decisions. And then as we talked about goals and discipline with developing daily habit that leads toward your goals, this teaches you the formula of how to set goals. So it's set SMART goals, and it's a little change from the normal SMART acronym. So the S in SMART is specific. The M is monitor, because if you don't monitor stuff, you'll slip off of it. How many of you had New Year's resolutions, and if you don't monitor it, a month go by, and you don't even remember sometimes what that goal is. <laughs> the A in SMART is action plan. So you don't just want to have this big goal, but you need a plan of how you're going to do it. What are you going to do in order to get it? And the R in SMART is recorded, which is written. And the T is time. You put a time limit on when you're going to have it by. So remember, all of this is on jamesbronner.com. You click on mission statement and you'll have all of this. And then it says to pray to make sure your goals are in line with your purpose. You don't want to spend your time and energy climbing the ladder of success only to find it's leaning against the wrong wall. So you don't want to go through all of this stuff. And sometimes you go through all of school and then you realize that was the wrong feel. And you might have been in there four, five, six years and realize that ain't really what I'm supposed to do. Think about how much time that wastes, how much energy that wastes. So if you can stop and put a procedure around how to make wiser decisions, it'll help you so much in life. And then it says daily habits should include activities that improve body, mind, spirit, relationships, and money. And these are just five key areas of life that you want to work on every day to form these little habits that you're improving these areas. Next, it says excellence as a definition here. Excellence is the quality of being outstanding or extremely good. Focus on consistent improvement until excellence is achieved using a combination of talent, training, practice, and key relationship building. Now, excellence is so key because as I worked in the business world and I just saw people promoted, I saw people hired, and I looked and just saw people making deals and looked at the qualities that was really getting people the jobs, that was getting them the promotions, that was getting them accolades. Excellence is what I saw as the key feature. So excellence is very important in times when unemployment rises and your company starts to lay off. The people who are excellent are going to be the last ones they lay off. You don't want to lay off people who are the most excellent. So excellence, when it's time to promote, you're going to think about who has been excellent. So excellent gives you security and it gives you promotion. It makes you stand out. So excellence is a quality that you'll find in common. So Elon is no accident. He became the richest man in the world when Consumer Reports reviewed his car and they reviewed all automobiles. His car got the highest rating of excellence of any car they had ever reviewed. So his excellence paid off. And even today, we have the all-star basketball tournament coming to Atlanta, the game. 
And, and if you go through all of those players from both teams, I can guarantee you in every individual life, you're going to see this same principle of excellence and this same formula you will find without fail. First of all, it mentions talent. You'll find that they had some God-given talent, even young, playing that as they dribbled the ball and as they made shots, that they had some athletic ability, that they had even some height. That's part of your talent or skill set. So you'll find that there was some innate talent there. Next, it says training. You will find that they all had coaches and usually good coaches. So they had this talent and then the training comes from somebody who is a maestro, somebody who knows the best way of doing this. And they teach you the best practices for the skills that you're trying to achieve. Then next, after you get the training, it's practice. You have to take that training and do it over and over and over again. And you tweak it to see what you need to work on and you conscientiously work on making it better and better. If you just improve 1% a week, then in a year you'll be drastically better. And then key relationship building. So even after you get very good, it takes relationships sometimes to move to a level. You know, there are some great singers throughout the country, but if they don't hook up with the right manager, with the right record label, you can go to a church and they just blowing the roof off the plate. But if they don't have those right relationships, and on the flip side, there may be some people can't sing all, but they somebody's cousin. They Snoop Dogg's cousin. And you're like, how in the world did they get this record deal? And so those relationships, <laughs> they make all of the difference. So that's the formula to really get to that highest level of excellence. Talent, training, practice, and then key relationship building. This next section is called household order. And it reminds you of the business world. It's like an org chart. It has God, Heavenly Father, as the head of our home. Then James Brunner, husband, father. Stephanie Brunner, wife, mother. Joshua Brunner, son. John Brunner, son. Joseph Brunner, son. Jamie Brunner, daughter. Genesis Brunner, daughter. Jasmine Brunner, daughter. And Jade Brunner, daughter. So we read that often. And maintaining order in different houses is going to have different structure. But what's important is for you to outline the order, talk about it and discuss it. Figure out when you have conflicts and you don't agree. Get a formula of how you come to a resolution peacefully on that. So have all of that conflict resolution formula as part of it. And houses just get out of order. Now, sometimes the children telling the parents what they are and not going to do. Order. If you look at a vending machine, you can have a pocket full of change. You can have a billfold full of money. But if you get there and there's a sign on it that says out of order, you're not going to be able to get anything out of that machine. In the same way, you could have a lot of talent in your home. But if it's out of order, you will never achieve the highest level out of that. The last section here is beliefs. And this forms the religious and spiritual beliefs. So we as a family will know what we believe. It says, in this family, we believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the father of Jesus. We believe God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth to give his life for us. We believe Jesus is Lord. We believe he was crucified and God raised him from the dead so that our sins might be forgiven. And we may experience everlasting life with him in heaven. We believe the Bible is God's guidebook for life. 
We believe God desires a personal relationship with each of us. This relationship is strengthened through daily prayer, worship, reading his word, obedience, and helping others. And then we sign it, James Brunner, household president, and Stephanie Brunner, household vice president. So this is our mission statement that we share with you today. So you can go to jamesbrunner.com, click on it, download it, and get with your partner and your family And like I said, even if you live alone, just get with yourself. (laughs) Be honest with yourself. Ask yourself where you want to go and what your values are, what's instilled from generations in you, what has worked, and then begin to model it for your home and your life. Well, I hope this message has blessed you today, and I hope it blessed not only your life, but the lives of your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. And just to talk just another few minutes on one of the points that just mentoring young people, one of the big challenges that I see is just them figuring out what they are to do in life. So I'm going to just give you a few more examples and pointers on how to help them find that. And not only youth, but adults had the same problem with that. So just to give you some real examples, and I've heard Bishop Dale say that the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and then the day you figure out why you were born. So that purpose of finding that path, it just gives your life fulfillment. And we've done several things to help all seven of ours really find their path from looking at subjects in school that they excelled in to see what they were strong and weak in. So we've had them fill out career aptitude tests that would tell them what they have a higher chance of succeeding in. And, and we've had them read books on it. Some of the best books are What Colors Your Parachute that helps you find your career path. Another is So Good That You Can't Be Ignored that teaches you kind of how to find that path. We have, in addition to that, and just observing them to see different things. Just to give you an example, so my son Joshua there, he wasn't passionate about a lot of things, but we saw him one day get into gaming and he built his own computer. And we just saw him come alive. He stayed up all night. He spent his hard-earned money and he just spent more money. His computer was worth three times what my computer was worth. And I was in the field. So he spent his own money, got this high graphics car, stayed up all night. And he didn't even come for me to ask, how do you build a computer? He researched it and watched these videos, built it himself. And I saw the passion. And from that, and I saw it, it was the only thing he was passionate about till he got with his girlfriend, fiance Ashlyn. Now. <laughs> and I knew that was the field for him. So, and he's doing well in that field. And John and Joseph. So I began to look at them young and we would be at our beauty shows and they would be selling these little souvenir books. And I saw them win first and second place show after show. And I saw them one year. It really struck me. I was looking at the drive in them and I saw them competing. And, and I told them, you know, it's time to, you know, go grab lunch. It's about 1, 1 p.m., 2 p.m. I said, you know, y'all been working since morning. And they said, I cannot stop for this 30 minutes to go eat. I've got to win this thing. And they worked from morning to night. They would not stop to eat. <laughs> and I saw a drive and a determination. And I knew that they had an entrepreneur and a business drive from that. And other things they would do, I would just observe. So I began to suggest business to them. And they've been doing well. And I saw both of them start their own business and And I saw a passion just build within them. 
Uh, Same thing with my daughter Jamie next. She was exploring different things, and then she started a business, and she just could not hardly sleep. And it just invigorated, and she just built her own website and just began to make deals with getting wholesale products and selling everywhere she went. And the passion came and the excellence that she did it in. And I saw her in just management in the show. I would stand back when she didn't know I was listening and listen to how she talked to her staff. And she was handling them better than I could have, just giving them the details and breaking it down. I'm like, where did this girl learn this from? <laughs> so I began to see management in her, an entrepreneurial drive. And then she started getting interested in real estate, and she's studying that now. And getting mentors in it and saving up our money to buy our investment properties. So I just began to watch her. And then Genesis, she probably was the hardest one to figure out. She went through I don't know how many things, but I can tell you, parents, it's worth the effort to get it right. This is something, I mean, college students now probably switch up an average of two or three times. And even after they finish, most people still don't work in what they went to school for. So just think of how much time, how much money is invested in that. That if you can just take the time, invest the money and the time, the observation to pull out of them what God has put in them and to see the path, how much it will speed them up in life. So Genesis really just, we didn't know, she's very good at a lot of things, so it was hard to tell her strength. She was good in math and science stuff and good in reading. She could logically talk to you, but then she could draw. I don't know what this child's supposed to do. She just had talents. So as she began to go through and deal with emotions as coming a teenager, we heard her becoming her own psychologist, and she would come in and just break terms down to us. Just, she was just psychoanalyzing her own self. <laughs> I sent her to a camp at Georgia Tech because I, I saw a math and science skill in her, and what it did in two weeks, it went through about eight or nine fields. So it sped the process up as they went from lab to lab and showed them what each field involved. And she left that and said, none of those are for me. So (laughs) she began to read psychology books and psychoanalyze. And we said, well, maybe you need to look into this. So the next thing I did is I searched the whole country to find a psychology camp for the summer. So a lot of times you don't know what's out there until you search. I never heard of one. So we flew her out there and let her be engrossed in it with other psychology high school students for an entire week or two. And that really helped when they did mock sessions and told them what all was involved. It helped solidify it. And she's a junior in high school, and she can talk about psychology for an hour or two every day now. I mean, she just looks at videos on her own. So that was how she found her path. It was a lot of work, but it's so worth it. Then Jasmine. And she would um, make all of these concoctions at home. We saw her just taking mama's good pots and making a pot full of slime that was green. Just, <laughs> I mean, she, she was just like, this is the consistency of not right. She would get another pot and mess it up. And, and she would just do recipes. And, and then she came home with a top award in science from her school. So I said, maybe we need to look at chemistry for her. So again, I searched and found at a young age with her problem, she was sixth grade. I found a science kit service that would send her monthly, a science experiment. It would send about two experiments for the month. 
And she began to work on those skills. And I saw her just doing with enthusiasm. Then she began to work in the lab at the company. So she's going to be our next chemist. So, and it started from a young age. And it's very important. The earlier you can help them to identify it, the more they can develop excellence. So by the time a chemistry student gets out of college, she would have been doing chemistry since sixth grade. She would have been doing a kid every month, learning the periodic table, understanding quality assurance procedures in the lab. She would have been doing it from middle school to high school through college. Genesis would have been studying two hours of psychology a day from ninth grade time up through graduate school. Can you imagine the advantage of the proficiency that it will give you in excellence the earlier you begin to find your purpose and then ask, how can I hone these natural skills and gifting that God has placed? Jade, the youngest, so she's still in middle school and she really didn't know what she wanted to do. And one day I was just watching her playing games on the computer And I saw she was operating the mouse and the keyboard faster than me. And I knew I was a fast typist. And then we were doing some things on the computer. And she said, use this shortcut. And it was stuff. Now, I have a computer engineering degree. And it was stuff I didn't even know. She was giving me some stuff that I didn't know. And I was just amazed. And her friends was asking her, can you do this for me and do that for me on the computer? And I saw a proficiency, so we began to introduce her into programming in middle school and into summer camp. So I just wanted to give you the examples of kind of how we observe them, the things that we go through to help them find their path so that you can help them as early as possible. First of all, find it, and then you help them build proficiency in it. And that will help them to have excellence so that no matter where they go in life, they'll be able to stand out they'll be able to contribute more to the world. So that's kind of the process, and I hope that helps you all to go home, to form your own family mission statement, to put it on the wall, to begin to practice it with your family. And like I said, if it's just you, to just do the same process as a personal mission statement. Begin to hone yourself and to get that vision so that they that read it can run with it. So I'm going to ask my wife to close out from here. This is my partner in all of this. (laughs) None of this would work without a partner that was by my side and collaborating with me. She reinforces everything here. They don't need to get mixed messages. So if they got this message from me and then went to her, she said, well, we just going to do this this way, child. It would lose its effectiveness. So a big part of the effectiveness is having the two on one accord. So I thank her for being on one accord with me and helping me in the process. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Y'all give my husband a wonderful round of applause for this. I was looking at the sheet that he had on the back. He hit every one of those topics without even looking back. I'm so impressed. I was like, I would have needed this paper on the floor or something. So I appreciate the vision that he's given our family. And yeah, the one thing I get asked a lot as a wife is, how do you allow your husband to do the things he does? You know, do you have a voice? What are you saying? And I say, yes, I have a voice as the vice president of our home. I understand that the decisions that are made fall on the leader. And if it's right, it's on the leader. If it's wrong, it's on the leader. So he listens to me, my input, and the vision that he's placed before me, 
I could run with it even before he asked me to marry him. He was telling me his future plans. He was telling me the educational path he desired from 12 years old and how he was on it and about to succeed it. I mean, I just could see God's hand on his life. And he decided, I'm going to write this vision and I'm going to make it plain so that we can run together. So submission was only me coming under the mission that he provided for me. So it's a lot of women who have relationships, singles, who are saying, I can't trust him. I don't know where he's going. The men in our lives, if we're willing to be with them, they need to make the vision plain. They just need to give us the mission. And men, you got to have it together. It can't just be anything. We really need the security of knowing where your mind is, where God is in your life. How far are you planning to go with this vision? and how much input I actually have in this plan. So a big example is submission and how my mind would think. When he asked me to hold the sign for the service, yes, I thought about, okay, that's going to be about 26 minutes. (laughs) Don't we have an easel in the church? (laughs) What if I get tired? What if I have to go to the bathroom? All of these things went through my mind. But he explained to me, Pastor Nathaniel just went through all of the things in the business. I want everybody to understand that the family needs to have this same type of consistency in their home. I'm on board with that. So I didn't ask all those questions. I just said all those questions went really quickly through my mind. And I could have said them, which would have given him some pushback. But I said, okay. Because I know what this plan is. And guess what? If I had not done it and the easel fell down, or if we couldn't find an easel, then it would have been my fault. I felt like he would have thought it was me being insubordinate or not wanting to support what he wanted to do, when all I had to do was just stand here. So in the home, it's the same thing. We have to think, how can I help my husband meet the things that God has for them because we were created as a help meet. Yes. And that's where I stand. So I'm thankful because like I said, I was looking at that paper. I was sure he was going to miss something. And I was going to say, oh, don't forget this. The only thing I had to say was the office depot, but I say Home Depot instead of office (laughs) depot all the time. So I am just so thankful that God has given me this piece of earth as my leader because I truly can say He lives by all of these things. The things he's saying is in his heart. So I'm thankful. I'm sure my children know they can stand as a testament to say, this is not just an act. This is real. So he wanted me to make a few comments. So just in general, if we have you grouped together, if you're with your family, just hold hands. If you are single here in the church, we're going to pray for you too. So if you could just lift your hands if you're single in submission unto God. We just want to say a closing prayer. Father, Father, you are Yahweh. You are our Abba Father. We come right now to thank you for the opportunity for us to set our minds and our visions on you. Lord, you are the leader in our lives. You are the leader in our homes. And we just ask you to give us everything we need to be on purpose in this earth. Father, for every wife, every husband, every son, every daughter, for every single female, every single male, Lord, you see our hearts and you see our needs. You know where we are to go in your world. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we submit to you first and we submit to the path that you have for us. 
God, we just thank you for this opportunity to renew our minds, creating us a clean heart, oh God. You know this is my favorite scripture. And renew a right spirit within us. Cast us not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from us. So Father, in Jesus' name, we just by faith believe it is done that your vision is our vision. Help us to have the vision board for you. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. 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 And you are dismissed. You can listen to this message again at brothersoftheword.com. You can send it to a friend. We thank you for tuning in today for Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the Word. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled Household Mission Statements by James Bronner. This message is number 8255. That's 8255 to listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 8255 to a friend. Go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because brother you need the word. Oh, brothers of the word.